nothing nothing's off topic, right? I don't care. <laughs> wait, just, wait. We're just having a conversation. Yeah. Well, Dave Rosenthal from Wild Pair Running, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, buddy. My pleasure. It's uh, we we've been wanting to talk to you for for quite some time now. We're big fans of your of your store. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, been, gosh, we've been around seven years now. Yeah. I just thought y'all appreciated heckling us at the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we would run. I think that's where we met you is at Tom Bass where. We just kept screaming at the guys <laughs> following. Yeah. <laughs> the fast guy, right? Yeah. That's when Mike used to be fast. And made fun of his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, look, yeah. he's barefoot. That, I was wearing. That's got to be terrible. <laughs> y'all must have been really looking at me. Yeah, well, we focus on the details. You know, <laughs> the shoes. Do it's anything, the business. <laughs> anything to keep our minds off of, I'm super uncomfortable, I'm super uncomfortable, I'm yeah. super, hey, look at his shoes. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you had quite an impressive uh, number of people out there with you. I think you from four to five to six people sometimes. Usually, we have like a core of three guys in my little group, but there's, there's yeah. quite a few, you know, different little running clans and pearlands. Yeah. So we have our little group of four or five guys we're comfortable with and we can say what we want to say without filters and yeah. it, won't, it won't get back to our wives. <laughs> you know, well, so. you're, uh, so you're, you're just now getting back into to running from recovering from COVID, huh? Uh, yeah, I had, uh, had some knee issues last year. Um, so I got to walk a little bit more than I want to now, but yeah, COVID knocked me down pretty hard now it's starting to feel normal. So now I'm just out of shape and fat as opposed to, <laughs> you know, well, how long were, um, yeah. So how long were the side effects from COVID? I guess, how long did you have it? The symptoms? It's four and a half months. I'm starting to feel like I'm normal now. Wow. It's a long time. Yeah. It was, I was only really sick, sick for about four days where I was really sick, but then the headaches and then I couldn't breathe and felt like I had asthma. It was garbage oh. and yeah, but I'm feeling good now. So now I can go out and be miserable exercising like everybody else and be normal miserable as opposed to <laughs> COVID I'm going to stroke out miserable. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, we briefly talked about that before starting the, the, the podcast, but it, it, it scares me a little bit because in my world, I'm like, I'm healthy. So probably not going to get the extreme symptoms of COVID. And well, I imagine you were a lot younger than I am too. Uh, I mean, there's other factors. You? And I had, I had asthma when I was a kid. Mm. Um, so I had juvenile asthma. So there, there's other, I'm about to turn 50. Okay. So I'm, uh, uh, we all got it at work and I'm, I'm the oldest and I'm the only one who had asthma, uh, at any point. So I think I was just more from what I've read. I just think I was more at risk than they were. So, but compared to what some people went through, mine's nothing. Yeah. I mean, didn't have to go to the hospital. You know, I'm slower now. So my doctor gave me a hard time because I was complaining. And he's like, okay, so you do five <laughs> miles in an hour instead of seven. Oh. And he's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <Just> fuck off. <laughs> like, well, what you, why are you calling me? Well, yeah. you can run with Mike now because that's what about Mike runs, right? Yeah. He doesn't run 12 minutes. You are just such <laughs> it's funny because he, he knows. He knows you're full of shit. That's not true. He, he, they used to make fun of uh, you and, and Hicks for I just know. being behind me. Y'all need to catch. Y'all ain't caught we, up yet. No, we made fun because you were the exact same space behind it's like y'all yeah. were running together apart yeah. like it's not like you were pulling away like you put that 40 feet on him and then it just held <laughs> for mile after mile mike mike is a piece of shit because <laughs> because he is no so mike got us uh james and i both into running and mike's the type of guy let's go run together aka i'm gonna push you as hard as possible like is there's never like hey we're gonna run 830s um, or no, we would say we're going to run eight thirties. We would start the first mile at eight thirties and then gradually get faster and faster. And yeah. yeah. That's, 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 a pitfall. that's the kind of friend he is. I love the conversations that we would have with them passing up. We would always Every be thinking three miles screaming at each other. Yeah. We'd always be thinking about the next thing. Like they would be going to the bathroom. We'd be like, man, yeah. I wish we could take breaks. Yeah. <laughs> Too much drive. Yeah. Now again, significantly older than y'all. So our bladders, you know, we, we're more at risk. We need to take those breaks. We actually were planning, like once we passed y'all and we talked that shit, we'd be like, all right, what are we going to say to him next yeah. time? What are we going to get him? Well, we just had our easy one, which is okay. You know, he's going to be exact. Exactly, 42 feet, seven inches in front of them next time. So it was just easy. Catch up to him. What are you doing? <laughs> that was good. But you good know days. if you caught up, he'd speed up. Yeah. That's the trick. It you was, know that. Yeah. It's this mind trick we do on each other. Yeah, he's just a shitty friend, isn't he? 
I was just going half speed no, the whole time. So I don't, Our, I don't, I don't talk when I run. My buddies talk. And <laughs> I, I talk all the time, except when I'm running yeah. and I'm like a mute. I'm just, uh-huh. Are That's there, funny. are there a lot of people now at Tom Bass? Have you been back there? Yeah, there's a lot of walkers. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like that outdoor. Uh, get, get it as close you as possible. You can move it. You can move yeah. it to your face. Yeah, as close as possible. There you yeah. go. That, uh, that outdoor Perfect. activity stuff never really ended, right? I yeah. mean, I think people are still out there doing their thing. and That's good. Uh, I think the gyms shut down through people outside. I think, you know, gosh, for those people who own different different type of workout facilities that you know, pandemic destroyed, you know, it was really rough on them. So, but I think it was, there were always people out there. It's just, yeah. wasn't easy. You're, I can stay 20 feet away from you. Easy. Right. So <laughs> with, with a breeze. <laughs> so how did that impact wild pair? Because you have this, you have a, so for the folks that don't know wild pair running in Pearland, mm-hmm. um, love the name too. Did you come up with that? Uh, my wife did. It okay. was, we were going to be, um, uh, naked pair running. Oh, that's good. Uh, uh, be a hell of a search. And, um, and and then we decided we're not in California, so maybe we'll come up with something else. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Imagine that was a working Googling name, that. and then we cha- then then uh, she changed it to Wild Pair. Yeah. Uh, and I said, okay, that sounds good. You know. Now, did y'all have the concept of y'all wanted to strictly do running and shoes, or was it did it start off as something else, or did uh, it start off something else? No, it, 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 this is all I've ever done. So I worked at a, a Fleet Feet Sports in Houston. I walked into one of their store, their only store at the time when I was 15 years old, um, kind of emerged about 21 years later. Uh, and the gentleman, uh, Jim Braden, who owns those stores, one of, one of my best friends, he's a great guy. And um, he, uh, he helped me line up a job. It was just time after all those years to... Um, move on. So then I worked to new for new balance for almost eight years. Wow. Awesome job. What did you do there? I was a, a salesman. So I had uh, South Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana, I had a territory Gr- man. The first three years of that were great job. Um, and then my boss changed mm. and wow, mm. did it go to shit fat? It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I quit in a really cool way. I was super proud of the way I quit. Um, <laughs> and then we said, I got to do something. Like, okay, we can, I can not work for six months, but it's going to get rough after that. So right. yeah, we, uh, we decided to open the store. Awesome. Um, so how long ago or gosh, seven years. So I, mm. I guess I quit my, I quit from new balance, uh, seven and a half years ago. I was uh, driving back from Mississippi and I had no idea I was going to quit that day. And my boss was, uh, uh, losing her mind on the other line with me about something inane that didn't matter that I'd somehow offended her with. Um, and I'm driving. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. I quit. <laughs> oh my God. And at the time, legit that way. Yeah. And at the Holy time damn. I was making well into the mid to upper, I was 150, 202, wow. 135, what? 165. I mean, it was wow. good money. Wow. And I just lost my mind. <laughs> so, oh my. so I hung up on, on her. I called her boss, uh, told him that I quit and that. I would train my replacement, but if I ever had to talk to her again, that deal was done. I, I would be finished by the time I got back home. Wow. And um, so she called me about 20 times, didn't answer, um, sent me texts, sent me emails, didn't answer them. Cause I figured there need to be some communication yeah. before my ultimatum kicked in. And about three days later she called me. Uh, and I, so I called him and I said, Nope, deal's off. Ain't training nobody. She contacted me. I'm done. And I just mailed them all their stuff back. And wow. That's crazy. Did you did you did you ever think you were going to open a a shoe store? Was that ever in your mind? When I was a kid, I wanted to just really? be, oh, just, wow. just because I worked for Fleet Feet, which is you know, uh, um, gosh, now they have five five stores in the Houston area. Great place. Still friends of mine. Love them to death. Um, you know, because it's not really the running stores against other running stores. It's really us versus the internet. Right. So we all have kind of relationships with each other and get along and. Houston's one of those markets where there's not a lot of, of ugliness between the different running stores. Um, some markets are, are, but not, not here. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what I taught. And then it was like a childhood thing. Right. And then you kind of grow out of it and go off. And then I had this great corporate job where I made really good money. Um, but I was not happy that last few years there, it was a beat down. So I just didn't want to work for anybody else. And I figured I'd try this and I was just young enough. I guess it would have been 40, 41, 42 at the time. So I figured if it crashed and burned, I went bankrupt. <laughs> I had a little bit <laughs> yeah. of time to recover. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, management or just your 
coworkers can really impact the job and just make it terrible. Uh, it can make it just terrible. It can make something that shouldn't be terrible, terrible. Yeah. Like if you look on the outside of that job, maybe I averaged, I mean, I had to travel a lot, but even the traveling wasn't bad. I kind of liked that. Um, I maybe worked. I mean, on a bad week, I worked 40 hours. Yeah, like wow. something had to go really wrong. On a good week, I was rolling at 25 hours. To answer <laughs> your phone, answer emails, forward stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just amazing how like one person can change it to make it so toxic that you're like, yeah. Uh, oh, and the other thing that happened is that we're going to take us in-house. So instead of being a contract like like 1099 guy, we were going to be employees. And, you know, God forbid, they were only going to pay me like $90,000 a year. And I'm like, okay, you can kind of beat me up for 150. Like, I'll take it, but I'm not doing this shit for 90. Right. Like, I'll, I can make 60 and never leave my zip code. <laughs> so I just, I rage quit. <laughs> and I told my, it was so funny. I told my wife, and my wife is very interesting. Um, but like the, like the little things she, can totally annoy me like all the little day-to-day -day things we all have our little niggles but like the big stuff she's awesome so i called her i'm like hey i just quit my job and she's like awesome you've been miserable great so well, i don't know what we're gonna do and she goes we'll figure it out it's all good wow i'm so glad you quit you just sound better already wow you know where wow. a lot of people yeah so my wife's awesome at like the big huge issues but then like the daily stuff we still have a normal, <laughs> like, I don't understand why you're mad at me. What's happening? <laughs> I think that's the, the everyday, but that's, that's interesting. These, these big corporations, your boss, people knew that she was a toxic person, but it's easier just to ignore people like that because we're going to get past those people one day. They're going to eventually leave, but they don't realize how toxic they are and they're, they're impacting others. Well, and the thing that was so tricky about her is... She was super talented, very driven, um, worked hard. Nobody worked harder than she was, intelligent. She just couldn't work with people. So they finally promoted her to the point where she was, she didn't, ha her direct reports were different. It wasn't like, we just worked for her. She was just our boss. Everything we did had to be okay and go through her. But when they finally got her in the right position, I think she's done really, really well. And it was she was just terrible to work for. She yeah. she was young, didn't have any kids. We were a bunch of old middle aged dudes with a bunch of kids, and just it was bad. Yeah, that, that's tough too. Like you didn't travel this week. Yeah, my kids got the flu. Are you married? Irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going on the road when my kid has the flu. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter what you say to me. I'm that's not strange. Going. It was it was that that weird thing, and she beat up some of the guys in the team way worse than me because I'd stand up for myself. But yeah, the thing is, she had a really huge upside. So in this one case, I'll kind of defend New Balance in that there was a talent there. They just didn't have her in the right position. Yeah, she just didn't need to have a bunch of direct report tos. Right. So your your background, um, I'm assuming you're running, you ran track, you ran in college yep, and I high school in, and all that? Ran in high school, uh, ran f uh, three years at UTSA in San Antonio and then one year at U of H. My dad got sick and I had to come back home. So U of H gave me a scholarship so I could kind of finish out my, they just had, apparently I got lucky and had a little bit of money laying around. So <laughs> awesome. they were able to fund my last year of college that I wasted to not graduate with four years of free college. So I appreciate that. How'd you do in college? Were you uh, competitive? Uh, very average. Um, average. I mean, it was, I mean, I ran way under 15, but I didn't run really that close to 14 for 5k, you know? Yeah. Damn. Four, That's four, really good. Though. Damn. What was it? What was it again? Let me register that. Yeah. Um, 1432. There's, there's no way. God. Hold on. So what is that? That's like a five minute per mile pace no five four? minutes no no wait no wait, five minutes five minutes is like a 1537 pace -ish. wait and you were in the 14s yeah but a lot of guys are i mean that's not that's not normal every team <laughs> almost God. every team has guys in the 14s yeah, yeah but not everybody in the world like uh, even if they put no, their no, mind no, to I mean, it could do it no no that's what i mean it's yeah. like i was fast but i wasn't fast fast i mean uh it was lots of guys ran significantly faster than i did did you get like formal coaching or were you just naturally gifted uh one, I don't think I was naturally gifted because oh. you end up getting you end up getting to that level, and when you PR, you're lapped in a 5K race. You don't feel 
you know, you don't feel super fast when, you know, the guy runs 1320 and he laps you and you're like, so I'm, you know, like putting example, I was good in high school, not uh, pretty good, not great, but pretty good. And then my first collegiate race, I went through the mile and I was like 137th place. Wow. So were you always, the... you know, so you're like, and I ran a five flat first mile for a 10 K and I'm like, <laughs> so you're like, what is happening? Yeah. What, what was the longest distance that you competed in? Um, I think the, I think that I had actually a road five yeah. mile is probably the longest. Wow. That's impressive, man. Yeah. But it was, for us, but it was a different really life. Impressive. Now I, now I, you know, walk and run 12 minute miles post COVID. So. Yeah. <laughs> What it's do you, like it was a different person you know, at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's probably hard on you because you've you've done it for so long, and then to have different times and just it's probably unmotivating um, a little bit. Well, I do think coming late to the sport has its advantages. Like a lot of the guys um, who I'm acquaintance with and friends with are really gun gung ho about the sport, but almost none of them competed at any at a high level so mm. they came to the sport later and they have that passion their bodies aren't as beaten up now there are a few masters runners who did run competitively younger and just stayed healthy the whole time but they're they're rare most of the late 40 50 year old guys who are running running pretty well or even 40 year olds who are running pretty well um, a lot of them didn't or they have gaps in their maybe they were really good in college for two years dropped out didn't run for 15 years and then came back but there's a freshness they're not as beaten up. Right. Um, so just staying healthy is a big part of it. But uh, also, you know, the fastest guys in Pearland, the fastest guy in Pearland is, uh, I won't say his name because he'll probably hear this podcast, <laughs> but um, he uh, he goes to Orange Theory now and mm. runs a half mile on the treadmill occasionally. Gets some really good hit workouts. Yeah. Can't run around the block, save his life. <laughs> oh but he's fast. Yeah. He was fast. <laughs> you start making Olympic trials. That's a whole different level of fast. I feel like I know who you're talking about, but um, yeah, that's, that's in the theory too, is like when you get older, your endurance uh, boosts up. If you stay healthy, do you think that? Um, no, I, I believe that to be false. I believe hmm. what you're seeing is a convergence of, little bit of talent in in years of training it you're really looking at about it takes about five training cycles to really start getting near your potential so if i'm 35 and i've never really trained properly and i start training properly at 35 i'm gonna improve through 40 41 maybe 42 ish and you're gonna hit a ceiling and then age is gonna catch up and then you end up you know you end up if you maintain you're great right um so there, there's, but what we're, what you're seeing and take, take the anomalies out of it. Take the little 17 year old Kenyan kid who just has a bigger engine than everybody else. But even though, you know, the high end marathon runners have gotten younger, not older. If you take out a few of the key names like, uh, Kipchoge or some of those guys who are yeah. older, I mean, he, you know, he won his first medal at 18 in the world championships in the 5k. So, I mean, he's mm. been. I mean, you know, he was a world beater out yeah. of the crib. Take the faster marathoners are actually getting younger because you have these kids who start training properly in foreign countries now, when, or you know, not first world countries when they're seventeen. Well, then you see them at twenty-two. Well, they're four or five years into a cycle. It's just they yeah. weren't training properly a generation ago, and they are now. So, I think when we have this uh, this idea that marathoners are older it's a very western thing you know we all we run two mile in high school <laughs> mile in high school we run the 5k in college you get out of college run for a few years decide you're not really good enough at the 5k 10k anymore you know maybe you want a plane ticket or something and that's it <laughs> then you decide oh but you know that marathon trials marathon that's not as hard because you know they'll have 200 guys go to that as opposed to you know 20 on the track right yeah so then they're in their late 20s early 30s but i think that's just because they didn't train for the marathon when they were 17 i think there's enough data out there from because the other countries are different because those guys are just trying to make money right and they're not a lot of them aren't interested in the collegiate system in the u.s so if they can make more money running a marathon at 20 that's what they're going to do so that's interesting yeah I, I think you're right with speed and then especially with marathons um what they're seeing now with like ultra marathons is like 
the older people are kind of dominating. Females for sure are dominating. Well, ultras are so easy because there's so much unknown. There's so much unknown data. Yeah. I mean, there's a durability aspect that you don't have on the roads. Um, There, oh, I'm going to get so beat up for saying this. (laughs) There's a lack of talent because the money's not there. So you don't have a 21-year-old 208 marathon Ethiopian saying, man, okay, I can go to Boston and get 20th place or I can go to Western States yeah. and see what happens because yeah. they'll make more money getting 20th place at Boston. So when I say there's, you, you don't have these, these, the pond is different. Like the fish are different. And I so want to see what happens once we, as, as that sport evolves, how it changes because Maybe they're not durable enough. Maybe they're just not. I mean, you take those guys who weigh 140 pounds, like how many calories can they carry? Yeah. You know, how, Hmm. what's their fueling like versus what your fueling's like? Yeah. Then are they going to break? Are they going to get fractures? I mean, the, the, the bone structure is different. Um, as far as, you know, they're human, human hydroplanes, but their engines are way bigger. You know, their engines are way bigger than anybody doing ultras right now on the international level but you don't have that crossover. You have a little bit like comrades in South Africa. You have a little bit of crossover. You'll have these guys who run 208 marathons and they'll win comrades, but that's different. That's all, that's not trails. Right. You know, I think the ultra marathon are, are unique in that you're, there's not a big prize at the end. You got these, these big savages out there that are doing it. Um, the big names, you know, Courtney DeWalter, these folks are sponsored by well, these running companies, but they're not. And getting, they're amazing athletes. They're, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but they don't have formula one engines. No, 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 not at all. They're NASCAR. So right. I want to see when you take a bunch of these little hydroplane, you know, but they might not be durable enough. That, but there's they, a, yeah. they might, they might not be able to, there, there's a, power issue going up hills over rocks and things different i just don't think we know like we know their vo you there's some raw data out there yeah like you take a guy who runs a a 1255k you know how many guys are there in the world that do that each year (laughs) 10 yeah okay so let's take a guy who runs 1305 there's a lot more of those guys what is their vo2 max compared to what is their lactate threshold? Like, if you take all the me- things we can measure, they should just they should. make it a farce. But why haven't they? Right. Is it just the money? Is it is, is there other factors? Is there durability? Is there there's not as much loose calories in their body? Obviously. Yeah. So do we just need to fatten one of them up and see what? I mean, when I say fatten them up, I mean get their body fat up two percent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't have an answer for that because nobody's really doing it. I think there's an aspect to that. So the the marathon. <clears throat> for for normal people, it's a long distance. But for these amazing athletes, you're you're basically sprinting the entire time. Oh gosh, yeah. But for ultra running, a, I, I think there's a mental aspect more than more than a physical aspect. No question. So, oh, no question. So I think these. And how does that translate? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I I'm 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 with you thinking that some of these fast runners. They probably don't have that mental edge that a lot of these people have. They're just yeah. just savages. Well, a perfect example: take Walmsley, right? Yeah. Look at his 5K time. You take a guy who can beat him in a 5K by almost a minute. A minute. Yeah. <laughs> but then let's let's make him a billy goat and see what happens. Like, it's just that we don't have any examples, so we don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, we were talking to uh, Chris Roglowski. I don't know if you know who she is. She's a, I've heard of her, yeah. Yeah, she's an obstacle course racer. She works at Grit Fitness, but she's just a... She's not a, a normal human being. She's a none, but, of, the, none of them are. Right? I mean, they're, she, they're so far beyond. Yeah, but she does. Uh, she's she dabbles in ultras, and she she talked about um, loving the pain um, and getting over that pain, like like riding that pain cave, and then getting to. A, she was on top of a mountain or something, and and it was it was blissful. Like it was. She wanted to quit so bad, and she was crying, but then it became pure bliss. Like that's. That's the mental edge that some of these marathon runners aren't going to have. It's obvious what we need to do is raise a few million dollars. <laughs> Come on, Nike. Yeah, yeah and have, have Western States. Whoever wins Western States gets $3 million. And then watch, you know, every Kenyan, Ethiopian <laughs> who can't quite make an Olympic team come out of the woodwork. And oh, yeah, that would be interesting. The mental side, I mean, hurting for, a, hurting for two hours and 10 minutes is a whole different yeah. beast 
than what those guys go through in the ultras. Yeah. It's, it's hard to compare that too. Cause they're like running top speed for an hour. What, I don't know what that time is anymore. It's like an hour for these marathoners now or two, sorry, two hours, but like, that's gotta be some pretty intense pain too. Yeah. You know, oh, rather than just but, ran out throughout, yeah, but, but different. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I've heard people talk that, you know, for the trail running, having being a little bigger, being a little, you know, but then you look at the people doing trail runs and it's like, I mean, it, it's so Eurocentric. It's so Western Europe and U S centric that of course you're going to say it's going to be a, you know, it takes advantage to be a, a <laughs> six foot. Well, yeah, but I still kind of would be fun if you took a guy who's five, five and weighs a hundred and 37 pounds yeah. has run 1305 and say, okay, let's give him three years and see like, yeah, that, that, uh, that glam isn't start there feeding either. Him some chicken fried steak or something <laughs> him up a little bit and let him, that the, should help. The limelight's not there either. You're, you know, you're running by yourself majority of the time. Yeah. But that's, that should be like, why, why aren't we doing more drones? Like I want to mm. see some of these trail runs. I yeah. want to see every moment of it. Yeah. Yep. And like the technology's there, I feel. Yeah. But we still have it. They haven't really marketed it well. Like when you say I reach the top of the mountain and you know it's blissful. I'm crying, but I'm so I'm so at one with the universe. Like why haven't I seen that? Right. Where is that on? <laughs> I YouTube? know that would be good. They there got the. Be, there should be a, a GoPro on a little <laughs> drone, like right over that person's yeah. head. They got the bib trackers, yeah. but that doesn't really do justice. No, it's not, not I want to yeah. see the dude fall and yeah. cry and yeah. get up with you know blood spurting everywhere, and he's still running seven ten miles. Yeah. And we're like, oh my god. I can see this getting over like overdone. Like they have a little uh, headpiece, and they're like, "All right, Bill, you're gonna have to cry a little more. Yeah. Zoom, <laughs> zoom, zoom in on his face." Uh. Okay, I think we captured. All right, get up, really, get up, really start running again. Pain. Show down. the pain. <laughs> you're you're too far ahead. Yeah. I'm gonna need you to trip now. Ooh, <laughs> I could see it getting like that. But freaking drone batteries are, are shit too. And yeah, but they could do athletes something. Athletes would never go for that. There's too much competition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's too much. I need to crush you. You know. Yeah, and that's kind of. I think a lot of people try to get out of that like. Oh, televised type of marathon thing. They're going to ultras for that. Some, of, some people are going pay, to, right? Yeah. There's a yeah. price to pay for that, but that lack of money goes back to what we were talking about before is the composition of the athletes who are doing that event. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I can just, you know, too much money to be made on the roads in Europe, you know, you can show up and run bad and make two grand yeah. for yeah, you know, a lot of those guys. Yeah. So. Have you dabbled in, in, in ultra long distances or, or anything past a marathon? No, my, no, <laughs> <laughs> hell no. <laughs> um, I, I, I have had some, I'm one of those guys who broke down a little bit physically. Okay. Uh, so I'm just happy to go out and I, I ran 45 minutes yesterday with an ample amount of walking. It was lovely. Nice. That's funny. Um, I guess what well, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> After college, did you mess around with halves or fulls? Like, did you get? Well, I did. Well, them? if you if you my I had this thing. I was one of those guys. Like, I should train for a marathon. You know, because if you looked if you looked at little tables and everything, I, maybe I can run fast enough to. Yeah, I I, I did wasn't durable enough. I, I've always had more injury problems than I should have had, and I think I was not good enough and not durable enough. I think you're probably modest. What was your, I want to hear the time for your marathon. My PR in the marathon is 402 that I ran next to my beautiful wife. Wow. Every step until she cursed at me and made me run behind her. Because <laughs> I told her she went out too fast. One too many times. Oh you were God. like her conscious. No, I, I mean, I, I got, um, I never even got to the starting line fit. Really? I just, I just kept getting hurt. Wow. Y'all, y'all coach people at, uh, at, at wild pair, right? Um, I don't like called I, I coach I've coached some kids over the years. Okay. It's yeah. not maybe not co official coaching, but y'all y'all have a community of runners yeah, that get no, together. No, no, but I, I've coached kids. Okay. I, I like coaching kids. Yeah. Adults I have less interest in coaching. I like talking about running and everything. I just like working I mean the kids are so much more fun yeah. than adults. They're great. They're they're willing to absorb the information, I imagine. Um yeah, you know, the other thing is when when you have these young guys and they have these dreams, like they want to go to college, they, you know, they want to get a scholarship. They want to run in the next level. Um, there's a drive there and giving them the, 
distance running training, it's a lot of stuff has changed. Nutrition's changed over the last, you know, many decades. Um, core work, how you lift, like that's all changed. But as far as the running part, there's been very little changes since the 60s. So <laughs> it's neat taking these kids who have a goal and they have a little bit of talent and working with them and watching them accomplish that. When you start talking about adults, there's so much other stuff going on in their lives that it's a difficult I mean, nobody really wants to train properly. I mean, we all say we want to. <laughs> right. no, nobody does. I mean, it's miserable. It's not It's not a great, it's not fun in, in some way. Some people take to it like fish to water, obviously, and that's one of the talents you need, you know, but going through a um, the, the proper cycles and trying to peak and then being really miserable and tired parts of the year, and it's just, it's just not easy. People don't, it's just this grind that mm-hmm. most people don't want to, so with the kids, you can kind of go all in. Right. You, know, you want to run a 420 mile and run to the next level? Awesome. Let's go for it. Y- you know, I, it's harder with adults because it's not so hyper-focused. And, um, you know, they don't want to listen. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I'm, they, adults don't want to listen. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're pretty much setting their way. Kids, kids will put on blinders and say, okay, base training. I need to run a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. You talk to adults. <laughs> no, you said run a lot. By a lot. I mean, like three long, you know, two medium runs, one long run, two easy days. Like, what would that equate to? Um, stairs will suck. <laughs> you know, and then with kids, they just, they'll just listen, absorb it, and you just give them a reason why they're doing what they're doing, and they're gone. Mm. Adults are harder. I, I've tried to coach a few adults over the years, and it's like only if they turned off their internet. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think adults know what they need to do. Um, but they want you to tell them well, something. Well, the information's out there, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, just just coach, you know, modern distance training. It's there. It's just applying it to the individual and sculpting it a little bit, you know, some injury prevention and doing some stuff. So it's, it's you know, some people can do more mileage. Some people can do more speed work um, or combinations. So there's a little bit of massaging that goes on, but it's all the same stuff. There's There are no secrets. You want to run fast? Run a lot. Right. Talk to me about oh, and then rest and then run a lot again. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't rest. No, oh, the rest. resting is the worst. It's so hard. That was my problem when I was younger is I didn't, didn't yeah. listen to my body enough. That recovery is important. Well, and just not running when you're injured. I right. mean, so many people that it's so hard to figure out what's a niggle and what's an injury. Yeah. You know, and now yeah. that I'm an adult, I'm, I'm pretty good about that. But when I was a kid, it was like, I could still run 60, 70 miles a week and on, you know, Oh, it was a stress fracture. That was really unpleasant. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll take three months off. <laughs> and talk to me about, um, you know, I'm a new person in the area. I'm looking for for running shoes. Um, what happens? What's the process like? I walk into your store. I don't know anything about running. How what? How does your store, your employees, help this person? Um, so what we do is it's a little old fashioned. I mean, our store is kind of like walking into a running shoe store back in in the eighties. Um, you know, we got posters in the wall, we got, you know, brown carpet on the floor. And part of that is I don't have any money. (laughs) So we're not super slick. Um, but what we do is, um, we'll watch people walk, we'll watch people run. Um, you, you, we, we try not to get too deep into it. I mean, our job as I see it is to avoid the big, um, the big obvious problems people could possibly have. So, um, uh, we have a, um, an atrix scanning machine, which measures the volume of the foot, the height of the arch, um, the length, the width. Um, but really it's about if I have 60 pairs of shoes in the wall and after I watch somebody, I try to delineate that down to maybe the, the five to 10 pair that'll be best for their needs. We also try to educate people a little bit. I mean, if somebody comes in and they have, uh, really, really flat feet, or they have really high arches, or their foot's really wide. We try to give them a couple pointers. Again, we're not doctors. Um, you know, I don't like Holiday Inn Express really. So, <laughs> uh, but we try to just give them a little bit and point them in the right direction. For a lot of people, it's like, look, you're you know, you're a little bow legged. So one thing you need to work on is your IT bands. Um, so then we tell them what that is, show it where there is, you know, Google it, do some research. But that's, I would guess, you you might have some problems there. So you might want to talk about foam rolling with them. So it's just about educating people a little bit and then basically keeping them away from making mistakes. If somebody's heavier and they roll in a lot, they pronate a lot, we don't want them in a really soft shoe. 
so we don't bring them soft shoes. Right. Um, so it, it's it's not as specific as you'd think, but we're trying to avoid the obvious problems for people. Now, once they're running a while and they've gone through a few pair of shoes and they have a, a, a you know a couple thousand miles on them, then we can actually help a little bit more because then based on what they're going through and the feedback they're having, then we can help more because we have more information. So we're not just trying to avoid the big pitfalls. Then we're, okay, so you were in a stability shoe, but you're having X issues. That's gone through three pairs of shoes. Okay, so two things. You know, for most people, they don't really like the answers because in a lot of cases, it's upkeep stuff. It's, you know, you've got a much, you know, there's a deficiency, uh, your hamstring's not strong enough, something like that. So we do a little bit of, then we try to point them towards a good PT or point them in the right direction. So where they, cause a lot of the stuff people need to do is upkeep that they can do on their own at home. Right. Shoes might help. Um, sometimes they help a lot, but in a lot of cases it's stretch your calves. Well, do you have any shoes that'll do that for me? No, stretch your calves. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, my foot's broken seven times. Don't wear minimal shoes. I've had nothing but knee problems, but my feet are super strong try minimal shoes <laughs> you know it's <laughs> yeah right. just you know you avoid you know you've had achilles surgery let's not go low drop you know just because why would we shoot you in the foot again like you know so the more information we have the more we can help but uh we're super nice we're i mean our our superpower is that we're just friendly and we try to support everybody and uh we'll treat somebody who's out for a walk with all the same respect and dignity and get into the uh, the excitement of what they're doing as much as somebody training for a marathon because everybody's road is just as valid. I mean, right. we're all really at this point just trying not to die of strokes and, you know, that might be break a 40 minute, you know, 10 K for one guy and it might be walking the poodles for another guy. So right. <laughs> it's, it's nice that you understand uh, the customers and um, you're almost diagnosing problems like a, a doctor bit, would. A, a little bit without being a medical profession, though. We, we try really hard to say, look, we work in a shoot. Like I had somebody uh, many years ago. This is They were having all these problems. I'm like, well, what would you do? I would take way too much Advil, probably hurt my kidneys, and finish the run. <laughs> um, but you have to be honest with people. Like, I'm a guy in a shoe store. You know, yeah. you need to go to a doctor. Yeah. We do that a lot. Like, this is pr you probably have a stress fracture. I can't diagnose you with that I work in a shoe store, but I'd probably make an appointment with the medical professional <laughs> at this point, <laughs> you know, or you have plantar fasciitis, you know, but you need to go to a podiatrist, yeah. <laughs> you know, why? Cause they, they have shots, yeah. but stretch your calf. Now I'll save you the first visit to the doctor. Start stretching your calves. <laughs> you know, well, we got that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've been in this business for a while. I mean, you, you started with fleet feet and then you, um, went over to new balance. So you have a well-rounded opinion of, of how maybe a shoe store to run or even how the shoe business works. So like, what did you implement at your store, uh, that's different from other stores, um, that you wanted to do that you saw that was kind of a gap? Sure. So I actually, I, I was lucky with new balance cause I, I, my job was to service all the running shoe stores in, you know, South Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana. So I got to see so many different stores. And one thing that struck me is when stores tried to be something they're not, like the owner or the manager of a store might think that it's all about selling shoes to uh, runners, trying, you know, just runners, trying to help them accomplish their, their athletic goals. Um, but then you looked at the customers that were walking in their store and sure, they had some runners, they had some guys trying to run you know, 20 minute 5k or, or, or a master's runner trying to break 19, but mostly it's just normal people trying to be fit and comfortable. Uh, a lot of people who work and their feet hurt while they're standing at work. Maybe they're, you know, a pharmacist or maybe they're uh, a nurse and their feet hurt. Like that was what I was seeing in all these stores. It was pretty consistent. Runners were a small portion of 20, 30, maybe 40% of their business, but the other, you know, the 60, 70% of their business was um, not what they thought it would be. So I saw some stores that did a really good job of saying, you know, our customers define what our store is. We don't. So the need in the community, if I'm a small business in, in a suburb of a big city, I don't tell Pearland what we're going to be. I'd like to think I see, like we carry more widths than we've ever carried before. But I saw stores that fought against that. What they wanted to do was sell spikes to fast people. <laughs> and 
well, we don't want to carry those type of shoes for those people. I'm like, yeah, but they're walking in the door. I mean, yeah. part of this is yeah. making a living. Um, so I think we've done a pretty good job there based on a smaller budget. I mean, obviously our, our, our budget's not as tight as it used to be. So I've, after seven years, I can find like buy stuff I want to buy just because once in a while I let myself buy stuff <laughs> I just want to buy because it'll be cool to have in the store where I couldn't do that before. Um, so that was neat being able to see all the different stores and different communities and the stores that did a really great job with who and what they were. And then other stores that just kind of fell flat because they were trying to be something that they really weren't. You're defined by the people who walk through your front door, not what, you know, you want yourself to be. Um, and Pearland's kind of followed that. We have, we have runners who come in. Uh, we have some serious runners that come in. Uh, and then it's a lot of people walking dogs, walking, working in the medical center. They stand, feet hurt. You know, that's, you know, as probably more of part of our business than the running side is, but there's a lot of blending also that goes on. Like maybe don't work 50 hours a week in a surgeon and then go for your long run in the same <laughs> shoes. Like we have to have that talk a lot. Yeah. Like get a, get a pair with no blood on them for your long runs, please. Right that, might, that might be, might be helpful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want your opinion on the, uh, the carbon boom that we're experiencing this. Is this, is this a, a you've been in the game for a while. Is this a new thing? Is this a marketing scheme? Do you believe in them? You know, what, what do you think? I think that's a big question because mm -hmm. there's so much marketing and so much money around these shoes. Yeah. Um, I honestly have been hearing that they're magic shoes that make you faster for 36 years now. It was, you know, Reebok tubes, like only old people on this are going <laughs> to remember that there's a guy bouncing along and energy return, like energy returns been talked about for so long. I think uh, what Nike has done and now the other vendors have absolutely caught up um, is they've always made some of the best racing stuff. So there's, there's two things going on. And you're going to have different camps. One, the science is out and the shoe companies don't want the science to be investigated too much. Like the, the interesting thing is the studies that I've seen that are out there are not what you would call unbiased. You know, when it's run by a lab funded by Nike and the lead, <laughs> the lead person doing the studies, a Nike athlete yeah, kind of got to throw out those results. Yep. Having said that, one of the guys that runs from Saucony, um, is is and he's unbiased from testing a nike shoe he claims that there's value there um so it's in there's a lot out there um but I, yeah I, I think the racing flats are better than they've ever been are they making people faster <sighs> some people react very well to the high stack height carbon shoes and some people don't yeah, I think it's Molly Huddle doesn't. She's one of the best female, you know, runners of of the generation, and she can't wear them, so she's still the fastest. <laughs> so, you know, I, I bet there's a little bit of a placebo effect. Like Nike says, it's going to make me fast, so I feel fast. There's some of that. The uh, uh, there's enough anecdotal evidence out there that I don't want to just throw it out and just be that naysayer, that old right. crotchety man with my cane and being like, oh, it's garbage advertising, stupid <laughs> Nike. But I do think one of the things that's confusing about this is uh, like they did a deal with Strava um, and they took all these uh, Strava, um, the Strava data and they took people in training flats and then put them in um, carbon shoes and they ran faster. But what they didn't do is then, and then break that data down by racing flats. So there are lots of racing flats that aren't carbon that are faster than training shoes. Right. So it's, you took a whole generation of people and Nike convinced them to buy racing flats for the first time and they're faster. Yeah. Well, no shit. I mean, of course, <laughs> racing flats are faster. Yeah. They're also much harder on your body. They're also leads a lot of people to injury. So just because it's faster, you have to apply it appropriately. And that's where I think the breakdown is. You have a lot of people who are running in, you know, carbon plated shoes every day because they feel good and they go faster. So there's a lot of injuries coming out of it. But yeah, yeah I mean, Nike's always made great racing flats. But now that there's parity um, with the shoes, like the new Adidas shoes, the new Saucony shoes, um, uh, uh, the Brooks Hyperion Elite shoes, there's a lot of parity now. I just think the racing flats got really good. But let's also be clear all of this happened because of Hoka. This has nothing to do with Nike. This is Hoka. And then somebody at, 
Hoka, left Hoka, went to Nike, and they made it sexy. Oh. <laughs> but big stack height, stiff shoes, that's what Hoka's all about. So it is interesting from my perspective watching vendor, a bigger vendor steal from a smaller vendor's idea marketed it way better and then put all the fastest athletes in the world in there. She remember Nike covers about 90% of the professional athletes. So Nike racing flats were already breaking all the world records. And it's just an odds game. If you, if you cover 90% of the turf and you've got the most money to give to athletes, guess who sets the world records? Yeah. Your athletes. So Nike finally found a way to market that and did a great job with good shoes, like really good shoes. Long winded answer to, do I think the shoes make you faster? No, I don't, but I could be wrong. (laughs) Do you think from a long- How's that? (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Can you tell us one more time? (laughs) From a longevity perspective, you think the the carbon base uh, shoes are causing more injuries than the normal flat plated shoes. Well, but I think it's back to, we were kind of, we were talking a little bit before about minimal shoes. I think there are certain body types. If you don't Mm. have any Achilles calf plantar fascia or foot problems, yeah, you're more likely to respond well to the carbon plate. Cause the reason it, it, if it makes you faster, the reason it does is it loads that system. So you get more spring out of that, out of that system. Right. Again, if you have someone who's had two stress fractures and a metatarsal and surgery on their Achilles tendon, just, you know, hit, just hit them with a hammer. I mean, what's, you know, why, right. why do that to them? Um, so other athletes respond really well to different things. And th- it, this, you know, but it, Nike's brilliant. I mean, look yeah. what they did. They took a bunch of, they have a bunch of middle-aged people who've never been in racing flats running faster than they ever have because they are in racing flats for the first time. And then making a shoe that lasts 200 miles and then charging $250 (laughs) for it. Like, come on. There's some brilliance going on there. That's the kicker. Did you ever take nothing away from Nike? They've always made great racing flats and nobody markets like they do. But the fluff surrounding it, like the reason the science is untested is because the shoe companies don't want it to be tested. Right. Who's going to fund it? Somebody to run an article in the New York Times to say it's it's bullshit. Or like, I can't make money on that, so I'm not going to fund that study. Mm. The only people who would fund the studies are the ones who would lose if the studies don't show what they wanted to show. So they just don't run the studies. It's all anecdotal. Did you ever? Which doesn't mean it's not true. It just means it's not provable right now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever read the book um, Born to Run? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what? It, what is your your thoughts on that? Um, you know, because they're the. It's a, there's fun, a, it's a fun book. It's nice. It's a nice book. I just anything that convinces two hundred and twenty pound dudes in the suburbs to run barefoot on concrete's dangerous. Yeah. There's always been a place for minimal barefoot running in the elite community. There always has been because it's an effective way of strengthening certain parts of your lower extremities. The problem is we're Americans and we take everything to this absurd extreme, <laughs> Yeah, you know, which is, Hey, run 10% of your mileage, cool down, warm up, getting ready for spikes on the track, whatever, you know, run a little bit on beautiful green plush. <laughs> if you do you know, three, 4% of your mileage on that, it's super helpful. And we've always done that. Somehow that translated to my neighbor, who's at least 250 pounds, hobbling himself barefoot up and down County Road 90 in Pearland until I finally just gave him shoes. <laughs> and it's like, like so it, we take everything too far. We do it with our diets. You know, yeah. we eat too many carbs. We all pretty much eat too many carbs. So the answer to that for us is to let's not ever eat carbs again. Yeah. Yeah. How about we just eat less carbs? Like running barefoot's great. Run barefoot a little bit, but you know, <laughs> I like your don't don't rock don't rock the concrete for six miles barefoot and wonder why something went wrong. You know, yeah. I mm-hmm. like your thinking. I, I think the barefoot minimalist shoes, even that book, have a place. They have a place. There's yeah. no question. They're, but what is the place? And that's where we have the breakdown. Not the roads. I don't think. Well, for some people, but there's it, there's outliers to everything. The problem is we make those outliers the rules. Yeah. And you have a guy. Um, oh, who's that guy who used to run for New Balance? Um, and Anton Anton you were telling me about him yeah, yeah. like you know I, I saw a presentation uh, well I wouldn't call it a presentation it was a, a flowing thought from an interesting dude very nice um, 
but it's like, yeah, you're running all your stuff on dirt roads in the mountains in minimal shoes and you weigh 135 pounds and you're 5'10". Look at the crowd in front of you. Mm-hmm. Not the same. No. <laughs> like, it's just... But I think there's a place for it. I think there's always a place for it. Now, one, one thing that's neat about the minimal movement, um, which is the uh, kind of the star of the whole thing, is first it, it exposed that a lot of shoes were overbuilt, like just radically overbuilt. 12 millimeter offset heel to toe. They weighed a pound and a half each. There's all these overlays we didn't need. So it streamlined that. It made lightweight shoes sexy. It made lightweight shoes popular enough that a lot more work went into that. Um, It also showed that stack height in some cases is as important um, and sometimes more important than uh, minimal versus maximal. So it brought everybody's... uh, 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 um, everybody's uh, stack height up, but it also brought everybody's heels down. So stack height being the measurement from the ground to the top of the midsole of the shoe, um, and then uh, offset how much higher the heel is in the forefoot. So all the the heel forefoot offsets came down, which puts your foot in a more natural position, and everything got built up higher. So it was interesting to watch. Like, we wouldn't have Hoka. We wouldn't have all these carbon plated shoes without the minimal movement like it all it's all an evolution right so these engineers thought oh okay well zero drop what if we did zero drop with just a shit ton of cushion like what happens (laughs) well what happens is you make a bunch of old dudes knees happy i'll answer that that's what happens but everything puts pressure on other parts of the system so everybody wants a shoe that shoes don't really eliminate a lot of stress but they move it around so carbon plates puts the stress Achilles, calf, foot, but then maximum cushioning shoes take pressure off that system if they're a little more flexible. But then where is that going? It's it's your knees are getting a little more, your hips are getting a little more. So it just depends. Right. Yeah, I think there. I think if you look at the type of runner too, um, maybe the sprinters are probably the carbon base. You know, the fancy well, Nike shoes. Yeah, they always have been. The sprinter spikes have been rigid now for. A long time there yeah. were, it, it was an obvious advantage so it, it's kind of surprising that you mentioned that why did it take so long yeah. like if we know it's more explosive for 100 meters that doesn't change the fact if it's a little more explosive for a marathon it should translate but i don't think it's i think the risk of injury has gone up a lot more i think so i think um in I, the distance runners versus sprinters because sprinters are going to be in it a couple hours a week i mean distance right. runners that could be one long run mm-hmm. yeah, i think there's a there's a big push from the distance runners to go more minimalist compared to maybe a marathon runner i know that sounds crazy marathon is a long distance but i think once you dabble in 50 miles and so it's getting to the 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 what is that brand ultra ultra yeah, zero drop yeah mm-hmm. no but even ultra's gotten sucked up the 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 magic of ultra is zero drop but their stack heights are getting thicker not yeah, thinner they yeah. are but yeah. they're getting lighter again it's back yeah. to i mean hoka's the pioneer here because hoka drops are around four or five millimeters well traditional drops 10 or 12 so Hoka brought the drop down. Ultra's magic is that wide toe box, the natural fit. They've always been zero drop. Yeah. But now the shoes are lighter, but the stack heights, they keep getting thicker, even though they're lighter. So what's minimal? Zero drops more minimal than having a, a, a heel slope, yeah. but thicker stack heights less minimal than a get me closer to the ground. We don't even know what minimal is. I mean, I think from <laughs> right now, obviously thicker, lighter, and lower drop is the trend, and that'll continue to evolve and change. It always has. I mean, it's like evolution. Like we're not done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like it's like we haven't we're not done evolving here. We just do it slow enough we can't see it. <laughs> I think uh, talking to you throughout this conversation kind of made me realize because I, I want to do minimalist, but I don't think I don't think maybe that's not for me because it's kind of like diet. But it's also not an all or nothing thing. You can do minimalism in certain in certain amounts that can benefit you without right. going batshit crazy all yep. in. And that's, again, it's back to we have trouble with this in our society. We try to go all in. We yeah. can't just cut out dessert. We go keto. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking anybody yeah. who's had benefit because I don't want the keto people coming. <laughs> They'll come after <laughs> They'll you. They'll come after They'll you, get man. you. <laughs> but it, it, it's a little bit goes a long way with some of these things. Also, it sets you up, right? So let's say you start out, you get a pair of minimal shoes or you start running barefoot on grass a little bit. 
and you have some, you know, it, it feels good. It's, it's great. You can always slowly build that up. But I think we can all agree that it's much more risky no matter how much you're you know, the human body's incredible. I mean, you can, you can train yourself to run totally barefoot on concrete in the middle of summer, but why would you? You're going to step on a rock. I mean, at some point you're going to step on a twig and break your foot. Yeah. So just don't do that. But yeah, I think minimalist, I, you know, I've, I've had my kids run barefoot, you know, on the inside of the track. Cause I think there's value there. It's just, you know, now when they're coming back from an injury, I might not let them do it. I mean, it's a slow, you know, so I just think you put it in, you put it in its place and then dabble in it, you know, yeah. and then see where your body, where your body takes you. I do think though, what's going to be interesting to watch is what's next, right? Okay. Maximum, maximal stuff's obviously taken over, you know, 43 millimeter thick midsoles. Right. Um, like where do we go? Like, are they going to be 90? I mean, I'd be six, eight, <laughs> like, <laughs> They, okay, shoes are now as rigid as they can get. They won't bend. So you can't get more rigid than that. So yeah. Like, I, you know what's going to happen. The pendulum's going to swing. The next thing's going to be these ultra flexible, low to the ground, minimal, like Xeno shoes. They're going to yeah. be the, like, that's going to be the next thing. It's like They're, gum, made of gum. You spray it on the bottom of your yeah. foot every week. Yeah. And, and you just have to respray it every week. Because yeah. you know that's what's coming. Because it's, it's just, it's, it's we're yeah. just foolish. We can't keep our minds on anything you know yeah and history repeats I'm, I'm glad at least ultra had come out with the wide toe box because i always had issues with you know the pinky toe kind of rubbing and we try to compensate for that so i think that's a good movement forward you know well ultra yeah and ultra pioneered that the nice thing is it's translated over to the other brands things are getting less just interesting go into any mall go into any footlocker and look at the toe box of nike and adidas narrow long and pointy because yeah. that's what they want them to look like it's mm. not a performance issue it's just a visual issue now go and look at ultra topo but then look at the new brooks coming out look at the Sauconies coming out everything is going more rounded and less pointy from a performance standpoint there's no benefit in having a narrow pointy toe box so ultra and you know to a lesser extent topo is pulled every these vendors look at each other. They watch each other. <laughs> the developers and engineers change companies. So yeah, it's funny how all of a sudden, all of a sudden Brooks has this more rounded toe box and you're like, well, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's a good evolution. You know? Yeah. It's just like truck companies or car companies. They look all the same. They just got a different logo on there. Um, I want to get into uh, your, you kind of build a community through your store and y'all we've tried to, yeah, you did, uh, you were doing runs for a while. I don't know if you, we just it back started up. up three weeks again. Perfect. We nice. had, we had a whopping eight people this last week. I was very excited. That's pretty good though, but to I know, see, yeah, your numbers human are higher. Beings. That's been great. <laughs> what are those? What Explain. Are, what are people? <laughs> They're people who, you know, now that we've all, now that so many people have gotten their government trackers, it's, yeah. it's important for us to congregate so the government can tell where we all are at at <laughs> yeah. the same time. They'll find you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It wasn't our phone they were tracking. They were just waiting for this vaccine to get us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how's that going? It's uh, been great. I mean, I, you know, obviously retail this last year has been more of a contact sport. We're definitely more... <laughs> exposed hence all of us getting covid right. at the store um except for hannah hannah didn't get covid superior genes yeah what you do stupid why not young people stupid <laughs> she takes vitamins <laughs> she takes her vitamins um but uh yeah it's it was a weird year and it's nice to see you know hopefully we get lucky and and uh none of these variants turn out to be more than just you know uh, really exciting stories in the newspaper but I feel like we're going the right direction, I mean, you know, from a guy in a shoe store. You know, <laughs> I'm seeing I am legend, but yeah. uh, who knows? I, know, well, I, I should have been a zombie by now. If I don't 28 know. days from the vaccine, I was waiting. I was going that first 28 yeah. days to make sure we didn't have a zombie break. You put on your calendar. Uh, I should be a zombie. Oh, but the I'm look not. at people's faces when I when I did get my first uh, my first vaccine shot because my arm was sore that shit sucked mm. was i was in the store helping people like man my government tracker is killing me and i had a couple of these <laughs> i had a couple of these guys who'd driven in like from down south and they're like 
you let the government mark you. <laughs> I'm like, I got really sick. Yes, they can mark me as long as I don't get sick again. That was terrible. You Golly. know, it could be both. It could be a tracker and a vaccine. I'm just, I'm hoping the vaccine part. Yeah, just please work. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of funny because that, that was uncomfortable. But yeah, we're all paranoid, crazy people on some level. So yeah. Um, how can people get involved in your runs? A lot of people need community. I yeah, like running so, with people like... Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, we do our runs Wednesday at 630 at the store. Um, we usually kick, you know, that's when the store closes. So by 635, 640, we're, we're out going. Um, we have all different paces. Uh, we do kind of the same. Everybody does kind of the same loop. So even people of different paces, we all run together for a while. And then uh, depending on how far you want to go, you'll go to the next light or the next light. Um, Pearland Area Road Running is another great um, local resource. It's the big club that's in Pearland. They've got well over 300 members now uh their websites go parr.com um so that's another good resource because once if you join it was free last year to join i'm not sure if they're doing if they're charging for this next year because they're going to have more actual supported events again um but that's that's a pretty neat page to get on just because there's so many meetups and you know east side of Pearland, west side of Pearland, even out in alvin you know they're all over the place Wow. Are y'all going to uh, expand into Lake Jackson? I know y'all y'all did. did right before COVID. Are y'all going to yeah. redo that? According to my wife, I actually caused the pandemic <laughs> uh, by being arrogant and thinking we needed another store. So, yeah, we opened February 1st. and Right uh, before. Yeah, you know, that worked worked out. Are y'all, are y'all thinking about doing it again? Or uh, no. Well, I, let me pay off. Let me pay off the, the loan first. Okay. <laughs> the small oh. business loan I took to open the store that will hold you to that was open for five weeks and then closed for five weeks and then nobody came in for two weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh shit. Circle the wagons. I did. I was there. <laughs> we circled the wagons. Yeah. It was a good move. I mean, uh, there is. Oh, I think a, the market's viable down yeah. there. It's just, you know, the, the problem is it's. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Mm. I thought having two stores would be cool. It just made it more stressful. And, you know, based on my other career moves, money's a thing, but it's not the thing. And I'm just way more comfortable with one location. I feel like I can have more control. I got the, I got awesome people that work with me. So, I mean, my life is pretty easy right now. So it's really hard for me to get out of my comfort zone again since last time, you know, half a million Americans died. Yeah, that's understandable. And counting. Which, according to my wife, is all my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm um, starting to think so too. <laughs> listen, listening. That's you got a lot right of power out. coming from yeah. you, just exuding power. <laughs> Did you do this? <laughs> it's um, I would really hope not. Yeah. Well, y'all are doing a because we tried to do everything the right way. Like when everything got shut down, like we shut our store down. When we were supposed to. Like when we got COVID. Like we shut the store down. We called all the people who were in the store the three days before. Like we tried to handle this the right way i mean some of there weren't great answers but we're super lucky i mean we're one of the running stores and bike stores actually did relatively well during the pandemic overall so we were super lucky but you know we tried to do the right thing but you know half the people are always mad at you for something so <laughs> you're definitely in the right spot i think uh the running community around here is so large um it's such a a thing around here lake jackson pearland a lot of people are in it so and more and more and i mean if you really look at it though like on the national scale like anything that brings more health and wellness to our community is a good thing because we're not very health healthy or well <laughs> <laughs> i mean just as far as our demographics we're not great so um I, what i really get a kick out of though is adding people who are a surprise like that's where i get my 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 shits and giggles is you know having some dude roll in and the doctor told him he had to walk and then, or he's gonna die you know and then two years later he's run his first 10k and he's mm. like the biggest running nerd ever Heck like, yeah, dude that's fantastic and those guys are also the more supportive of everybody else yeah. right they don't have any arrogance they're they're the biggest cheerleaders so i i like seeing those guys and gals that that's where i have I have more fun with that, I think, than anything is watching people just change their lives completely based on what they do for one hour a day. Like mm -hmm. that one hour a day makes them eat better, makes them sleep better, yeah. uh, makes them lose weight, makes them have have much better, uh, uh, their ego is much healthier. Um, that's pretty cool. All, all for an hour a day. Yeah. Like it's not like you, you can't really run more on average than 
you can't really walk or run at pace more than an hour a day or you break. So there's some, you know, self-limiting, you know, guardrails. Agreed. I love that you said that. We talk about that all the time, how uh, running changes more than just your oh, physique. Because um, everything, everything has to revolve around it. You got to go to bed at the right time. Or if you're a nighttime runner, I'm mostly a nighttime runner. Um, you know, it, 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 it changes how I eat during the day if I'm going to run that evening. Or if I'm a morning person, it changes what I have for dinner the night before and when I go to bed. Like it all kind of feeds on itself. And COVID might have hit y'all short term, but I think this has made a lot of people change their minds about health and they're wanting to get out there and run and work this, this out. This has been good. So yeah, I, I think got, it's, I got it's no, good. I got no complaints. I mean, we're a small store. I mean, we're not we're not a grand enterprise by any stretch, but our, our business has grown in the last year, yeah. um, which has been which has been nice to see. Uh, but again, I mean, the nice thing about having the business grow is I can take better care of my people that it's, you're just a little more comfortable. I can buy more shoes, even shoes I probably shouldn't buy, but I want them in my store cause they're fantastic. <laughs> um, and then buy more widths and buy more shoes for the people who I know are customers, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the, I, I've, I just knocked on wood. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> been, <Somebody> here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been good. Now we're not growing like bike stores are growing. Yeah. But Running Paraland bicycles, up. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> right, they're right next door, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, they've done great. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. So, <laughs> how can people get a hold of you? On are, are y'all? I know you got a website, social got a, media presence yeah, too. Wildpairrunning.com. Um, we're uh, we're real active on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're kind of old for Instagram. Oh no, Instagram's where it's at, man. I can't. Why do I need so many? Can't just everybody go to one damn place? It's annoying. Jesus but Christ! One now. place, people. I know. Stop with nineteen. <laughs> I'm not going to be on TikTok. You okay? So that was my next thing. You have to get on TikTok. <laughs> but why do we need to be on twelve places? I think everybody needs to go out of business except for one. <laughs> I'll be on that one. Well, well, I very much appreciated. I know Mike appreciated. And, yeah, it was and, a blast. Um, I, I wish you success, and I'm glad y'all too. I'm glad business is picking back up for y'all. Now, how is the podcast growing? What episode are, are we on now? Man, what you're fifteen. Fifteen. You're yeah, fifteen. You're fifteen. Is it growing? A little bit. Hey, yeah. Let's talk slowly. about y'all. So, why did you? <laughs> <laughs> like, <whoo! laughs> let's not, not talk about us. I'm not ready for this. We don't know anything. <laughs> But, well, I appreciate it. And uh, Facebook, website, and in Pearland. What's the address in Pearland? Uh, 9330 Broadway. Uh, we're right across the street from Buffalo Wild Wings, right at 518 and County Road 90. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate and yes, it. Yes, there is a donut shop about six stores now. <laughs> so that you frequent. If you really want to work on, on running and then diabetes, we can. Heavy, heavy breathing. Uh, well, thank Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. Bye.